Can you believe this show has been running for 10 years? 10 years. And today is not some sort of fancy anniversary or anything like that, but it, it dawned on me because the guest that I am introing right now is Jasmine Starr. And Jasmine Starr is an amazing photographer, uh, an entrepreneur, and a business strategist. Uh, helps creators unlock their potential and... She's just an absolute um, superstar when it comes to building a brand and finding your voice. So this 10-year thing that I just ranted about is she was, I think, our fourth class on Creative Live. 150,000 people watched her, took her class on wedding photography live. It was trending above Barack Obama, ahead of Lindsay Lohan. I have a screen cap to prove it. Um, of course, Jasmine and I are dear friends because we've been, you know, homies for a long time. So we do get into a lot of personal stories. This is not a story about photography. This is a personal journey of invention and reinvention, of finding your creative voice. And of course, we talk about making tortillas. <laughs> we also cover adoption, her mission from law school to dropping out to being living out of a car and completely reinventing herself in a career where she had no previous experience. She called herself a photographer before she even owned a camera. What I love about this, well, first of all, Jasmine is a firecracker and brilliant. You're going to be very, very inspired. But this is a journey that so many creators that I know have traveled. It is a journey through curiosity, through struggle, um, she talks, she's very, very good at not gold plating her grit. She shares some stories, some intimate stories about where she really struggled when she was you know, crying on the floor, didn't think that she could possibly go on. And then she somehow found a way to go on as I like to think all of us can. And so this story is hers is an inspirational one. And it's also completely riddled and filled with very, very tactical pieces of advice because Jasmine is, is a professional speaker. She speaks on stages all over the place. We have this very intimate friend relationship where we get to talk about, you know, that time, remember when, but we also, she knows that her job in this scenario is to just add a ton of value to you. And she delivers that like nobody's business. Um, so uh, of, of particular attention, I would like you to pay around transitioning because so many of you, that's probably the most popular question I've received over the last decade is I'm doing one thing, even if you're already a creator and you want to transition into a different sort of client base or a different sort of, or if you're one of those people trying to go from zero to one, I, I'm, I'm creative curious and I want to find, how do I find my voice, my passion? I call those transitions and Jasmine articulates the ability to make that transition better than, I, don't, I think better than anyone I've ever had on the show. It's just she shoots lasers of that stuff, and I know it's going to be inspirational. So you're probably saying, then, what? Stop, stop talking, Chase, and get out the way. So that's what I'm going to do. Uh, again, welcome to Chase Jarvis Live on Creative Live. Uh, you you are about to get a great dose of Jasmine Star. Enjoy. But before we get in, just a really quick word from our sponsor. Check this out, y'all. This episode of the Chase Jarvis Live show is sponsored by Creative Live for Business. This is different than the regular old creative live. So whether you love, passionately love where you work, or it's sort of like meh, or on the other side, if, if it's a creative wasteland and you want to inspire some change in the place that you work, you're not alone. Studies say that three out of four people, that's right, 75% of people say they're not living up to their creative potential at work. If so, I want to introduce you to Creative Live's newest product. It's called Creative Live for Business. 
And in a nutshell, it's a way to get access to all of Creative Life's content for your entire team and or entire company and maybe bring in some much needed energy and innovation to that team or company simply by going to creativelive.com slash teams. Now, Creative Live for Business is already in service of several of the top creative firms on the planet and a powerhouse list of many of the Fortune 100 top brands. These brands care about creativity and innovation. And you know what? These companies pay for this for their employees. So it doesn't matter if you're a team of five people, 55, or or if there's 50,000 people in the company. If this sounds interesting to you and you want to check it out, either you can check it out or refer your boss to Creative Live by sending them to creativelive.com slash teams. Remember, most forward-thinking companies, they prioritize things like creative skills, like design thinking, leadership, collaboration, wellness. And again, with Creative Live for Business, you get access to all that taught by some of the top instructors in the world all on Creative Live. So again, you can visit or send your boss a link to creativelive.com slash teams to learn more. Okay, I'm gonna all this fanfare. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna riff for just a sec. Usually Please. it's it's nice to let the guests talk early on in the show, but I'm gonna just gonna hijack for like thirty seconds. Please. This is full circle. So I believe you were like guest number three or four. This yeah. show has now been running for for ten years. Yeah. Uh, Creative Live has been running for nine years. Mm-hmm. So you were guest three on this podcast when it was a video podcast on Apple, where I had to pay for every single person who downloaded it. <laughs> And in like whatever, 10 years ago, and then you went on Creative Live, went on to your, uh, I mean, obviously lore, fame and fortune as a photographer and now a business strategist and social curator. Yeah. Full cycle. Thank yeah. you for coming back. I am so happy to be here. Are you? I am. I am um, just a couple times over <laughs> to see how far we've come over in a decade. Yeah. It's like we, I walk the halls and I see people who were with us 10 years ago. Yeah. There were people who uh, didn't really know what we were trying to create. So true. Uh, a bunch of people who thought we were totally crazy. Yeah. I was like probably thinking you were crazy, but yeah. I was like, you're just enough crazy for me to co-sign. <laughs> uh, and then we kind of broke the internet. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the start of something beautiful but for both of us. Yeah. Independently and then together. Incredible. I know. So I'm going to add a little bit more color for those folks who are relatively new to me or us or Creative Live uh, or the show. And that is... so. Uh, Jasmine was the, I believe, the third uh, Creative Live, yes. I think me the third or fourth uh, show we had, class. But it was extra special because it was the first time in the history of the internet that a wedding was live broadcast. And yes. you, at the time, yeah. one, of the, one of the world's top wedding photographers, we had been in contact, we had a couple other, we made some big splashes in the industry, starting off this live internet uh, learning platform. And we said, you know what? Let's do something totally crazy. We're going to throw a live wedding. We found some people on the internet to get married. Always yeah, knew. but we have to back it up because okay, we'll you're it telling up. you're telling like the really strategic like guy version, and I need to add like the reality television <laughs> hot okay. mess version. Let's do it. Okay, so let's set the scene. <laughs> okay. A relatively unknown photographer is sitting in Southern California with her flip phone, okay. and she gets a 206 phone number. She <laughs> opens it up, and this crazy guy with a crazy name <laughs> says, "Hey, I have this idea." do you want to shoot a wedding? And I was like, sure. And you're like, live on the internet. And 
Now, we have to take the audience with us. This is okay. 10 years ago. This doesn't exist, right? It's, like it's this true. idea of like, one, a free class, mm-hmm. uh, a class in general being broadcasted on this crazy thing called Ustream and Creative Live and like, hey, let's see what we can do. Yep. And um, then you said, we should shoot a wedding. And I said, uh, okay. Well, I actually said, I'd like for more information because you were at a barbecue. <laughs> we hang up and then I Google you and I turn to my husband, a business partner. I was like, oh my God, this guy's a big deal. I'm like, he's calling me. <laughs> um, so then uh, we get a second phone call and I agree to shoot this wedding. Mm-hmm. And then just when I'm like, I have just absorbed a just amount of your crazy that I'm somewhat okay with. You said, yeah. we want to do this in about five and a half weeks. And I was like, oh God, this guy just lost his dang mind. Like this guy <laughs> lost his mind. And you're like, no, let's do it, let's do it. And it was the first time in my life and career that I met somebody who is um, really focused on the goal and really taught me the value of looking at what other people would say, this is an impossibility. And then you said, well, what would it take to make it a possibility? And we had people from the Seattle community rally around this idea yeah. to help you. to help Creative Live and to help me put together a live wedding for a real couple in a chocolate factory in Seattle. Yeah, how crazy is that? It was crazy. I like her version so much better. But wait, we have to end it. (laughs) Then we have to end it. That we were trending on Twitter with Barack Obama, Lindsay Lohan, and then little old, who is this Creative Live Jasmine Starr thing going on (laughs) on the internet? Keep in mind, those hashtags were above Barack Obama and Lindsay Lohan. Okay. Globally. Okay. We're I talking mean, global. Yeah, this is hashtag humblebrag. Yeah. But we'll roll with it, right? Yeah, Ten years sure. later, Take you it. know, we're, we'll, we'll still roll with it. And I will say that, that 150,000 people watched that wedding. And that was uh, the largest class, mm-hmm. the largest learning event, largest class that the mm-hmm. world has seen. That mm-hmm. when two years later a class came out on the internet, like the Stanford AI class, it was the biggest class ever. And it was 130,000 people. I was like, oh, shit. We like... <laughs> We blew it out of the water years ago. <laughs> 150,000 people taking a wedding photography class. Yeah. Um, well, A, thank you for going on that crazy ride. Yeah, thank you um, for inviting me. But you were so brave and bold, and I knew that about you just from, from watching your work, knowing about it on the internet, um, and here we are 10 years later. But can we take a, take a, take a second yeah. and like, let's bring this a little bit real. Okay. Right? Let's have a conversation about sure. taking risks and creativity, mm-hmm. because I think... It's easy for us. You know, our mutual best friend, Brene Brown. Yes. Amazing. Well, she's like your real friend and she's my pretend <laughs> friend. But she sat somewhere on this couch. So I'm just going yeah. to roll all over like, this is Brene. This is Brene goods right. up in here. Um, she talks about gold-plated grit. Yeah. Which is good. You know, we can look back 10 years ago and say, wow, look what we did. And then people watching or listening could say, well, that was really cool. Some people like that get to do those types of things. But I will say that the course itself was four days. Mm-hmm. And uh, day three, the day after the wedding, Mm. my husband had to pick me up off the bathroom floor in a hotel in Seattle because I was crying and crying and crying. I said, I think I just made the biggest mistake of my career. I opened myself up to so many vulnerabilities. Yep. The people saw me in the, like the high, like the peaks. The peak of like working. Working, stress, mistakes, and having hundreds of thousands of people on the internet dissect every single move and ask questions and talk to you in social media on real time. It was like this whole thing that I thought, I think I just made the biggest mistake. But the lesson that I walked away with is was on day four, when I had no other choice but to show up and finish this con- contract yeah. that I had with this <laughs> crazy stupid <person>. company <laughs> called Creative Live. I was like, I gotta finish it. Was when we, when we finished. 
the outpouring of people saying thank you yeah. for showing up in spite of the fear. Yeah. Thank you for pushing through. Even though you were making mistakes, you were owning up to it. And the thing that I learned then is that the internet appreciates authenticity and vulnerability and showing up as you are. And 10 years later, I have a greater appreciation for that. Somewhere in the middle, I might have lost my way a little bit, but it's always nice to go back to the core of the thing that you know people appreciate. So yeah. people listening thinking, well, that's for a select group of people. No, it's for the people who will cry on the bathroom floor thinking you made big mistakes. And then yep. how you come back from that is the willingness to get back up. So true. That, was, that was a very um, honest, humble, real take. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a little scoop of ice cream on there too. Okay which is that was a thing that I think that time in the internet yeah. basically unlocked publicly. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think <clears throat> that it was, from a popular culture perspective, I wasn't really in touch with that part of uh, being a creator, being right. an entrepreneur, wasn't really being talked about. and. That's, I think, a benefit of social, and I want to get your take on this, is that early on it was uh, so new that no one, knew how to, no, one, no one really knew how to use it. Right. And for those of us who just sort of just jumped in, yes. made mistakes very, very publicly yeah. in front of a large pile of people, I think that there's something, there was a, a learning event that happened at that time. I'm curious what you think about that and now how it's gone. It got really shiny for a while. Oh, yeah. I think social <laughs> did. It was only Bentleys and, uh, you know, basically faking it until yeah. you make it kind of deal. And I feel like we're kind of coming back to earth, and I'm wondering what you think. I could not agree more. I have a feeling that I will tell my future children and great-grandchildren that I lived through an era of humanity that will forever change the way we function as humans. Mm -hmm. and so there was a time where the, the early people who hit the gold rush had yeah. to go through and figure out the system. And the system, for most people, paid in dividends for the people who took the biggest risks and the people who were unrelentless and undaunted to find the gold. Yeah. And with the roaring 40s and the peaks of the 80s, something was shifting in humanity at then, and we only look now and back yeah. and say that was the thing that happened. What we were going through was like a social revolution. Yeah. And to be at the front end of that was so, so powerful. And then what we see are different iterations of people who think that they have to catch up. And I'm no exaggeration, yeah. like back when like these internet celebrities are having pool parties with like a thousand girls in like string bikinis, a baby giraffe and a line of Ferraris in the front. Yeah. Like I'm not making it yeah. up like that, like legitimately exists on the internet. And I read an article about um, a Russian jet company. They have photo shoots where they have their jet and people pay for 30 minute time slots to have photos of them getting in their jet and sitting in the jet so they can post them on Instagram. Like that was the, the farce that yeah. internet like celebrity dumb and like social media has become. And a year ago, I started telling people on social media, I'm like, it's the boomerang effect. Yeah. The boomerang's coming back to, hey, we got it. Like we get the, I'm at Coachella in front of, of the Ferris wheel. I'm eating like a baguette at a cafe. I'm reading a book by a window. Oh, hey, I'm on vacation. My feet are in the sand. How many times have we seen those photos? Yeah. How many times have we seen feet in like the doorway of a pitch tent in the forest? Yeah. Like we know every Instagram photo. And what does that say? We duplicate what we think will make us successful. But the very thing that makes us successful is us being ourselves, our true authentic selves in the most creative way possible. Truth. Mm. What do you think about that timing that's really, is now the time? And because it doesn't seem like the whole Ferrari jet thing 
was not all that long ago. Do you no. Think, are, are we out of it yet? Um, we're on our way out of it. And that yeah. is so promising. Yeah. And for people who are listening, like, listen to it carefully. Yeah. The sooner you get to that point and the sooner that you become the trendsetter for the next generation. I actually just read an article in The Atlantic about how we have generations, like younger kids who are looking at the perfectly like styled and curated feeds of everything's perfect all the yeah. time. And they're running in the opposite direction and they're picking up followers with so much frequency because they're like, oh, people identify with the girl sitting in front of her computer doing homework yeah. in baggy sweatpants and a greasy bun. So yeah. Greasy bun. <laughs> I read that same article. I thought it was brilliant. It was. It showed like some out of focus photos yes. and some, yeah, I thought that was pretty yeah. interesting too. So I'm going to keep us in the little 10 years ago bubble for just a, a minute longer. Um, also 10 years ago, you were focused uh, predominantly on f- photographing weddings. Yeah. And I would like to know how you got there, first of all. And then I would argue more important for this conversation because I want to really, this is to me the, a, a huge thing that I want the folks at home who are listening and watching to take away is you were able to transition into something different than your initial identity. And, and yes. I believe, you know, what is it? If our parents had one job, we will have five and the next generation will have five at the same time. Mm-hmm. Then it's our job to understand, to bring our party with us wherever we want to go in the world. And I think you've done a masterful job, arguably the best I've seen on the internet, of being renowned for wedding photography for a long time, Mm -hmm. and then evolving that vision, still have a toe in photography, but as a photographer and a business strategist, and now I'm going to call you the founder of Social Curator, which we'll get into that in a little bit, but... You know, that's basically, you've got sort of technology chops now. So you've done a a masterful job of moving both yourself and the people that pay attention to you along this ride. So take me back 10 years to, A, how you got into wedding photography in the first part, Mm -hmm. but then spend a little more time talking about the second arc. Um, Well, I'll leave the front part a little light-loaded because people can go back and watch Chase Jarvis live, (laughs) link number three, four. Uh, You can get the whole detailed story there. But in short, I dropped out of law school. My mom had brain cancer, and I had intentions to go back, but I knew that I needed to get married to my high school sweetheart because we'd been together nine years at that time, and I wanted my mom to see us get married. And we got married uh, in about two and a half months, and I had a midlife crisis. My mom was 50. I was 25. It's kind of like, I don't want to die a lawyer. And so my brand new husband, we'd been home from our honeymoon less than a week. And wow. I had to make the declaration to go back to law school. And he asked me a very generous question. And he said, if you could do one thing for the rest of your life and be happy, what would it be? And they said, I want to be a photographer. And he said, okay, but you don't have a camera. And I was like, <laughs> I know. So that minor detail, like, we can figure it out. We can figure it out. So uh, that Christmas, Christmas 2005, he gave me a camera. And I opened it on January 1st, 2006. And I spent more than a year just sucking. I was terrible. I was a really terrible photographer. Um, But thank goodness, YouTube and Google and just a lot of practice Mm -hmm. on unwilling and willing subjects. And then by 2007, we started picking up momentum in the photography business. And then by 2009, voted one of the top 10 wedding photographers in the world. And that just goes to show a testament of building a brand delivering service and getting your customers to talk about you. 
And that was the start of things. Uh, yeah. A lot of other accolades and awards sure. and all this other stuff kind of happen. And yeah. around the same time, Creative Live comes. Yeah. And uh, for so long, I, I knew that I lacked legitimacy from a technical perspective. And when you invited me to not just be on Creative Live, but to go on Chase Jarvis Live, uh, it really shifted the way people's perceptions of me were in the industry. It was almost like I got a cosign from somebody who was really well-respected. And it was a big momentum shift in my career. Not just saying that because you're here, but it's something no. that I look back on and I'm like, oh, well, that's when I finally started getting accepted. And we could talk whatever that means, like sure. however yeah, yeah. it looked like in a yeah. career. Um, and we parked it there for a while. We, we were able to travel the world, uh, do what we loved, work with editors. We started pivoting a little bit more to like editorial work and art mm-hmm. directors when it came specifically to like the wedding, female-driven consumer and yep. type stuff. So that was great. And then uh, started helping photographers build their businesses by way of Creative Live, by way of some of the content I was creating on my own. Mm-hmm. And then business owners started asking, hey, can you help us do what you're doing with photographers? And my first, question, my, my first, my first thought was like, no. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm I, a photographer. Who, who yeah, like, who am I? Yeah. Who am I? Imposter syndrome, like level 12. Expert level imposter syndrome. And uh, this started to happen around 2014, 2015, and started consulting clients one-on-one and saying, like, is this working for them? And it didn't just work well. It worked really, really well for them. But then I realized that I was building another business that didn't have scale. I was building another one-to-one business. So with photography, it's photographer to client, photographer to client, photographer to art director. It's one-on-one-on-one. And then I realized when it came to consulting, it was one-to-one, one-to-one. And I thought to myself, okay, how can we start pivoting? Like, what does this actually look like for me? And so, Chase, you give a very generous, generous, you're like, oh, you've pivoted so well. I think that when people look back and they think I pivoted well, I can only attribute to one thing, not street smart, not savvy, not witty, not brains. It was to how slow it was. People think that, man, Jasmine pivoted in a year. And I was like, oh, no, sweetheart. It took me like three and a half years <laughs> to pivot. Nobody saw it. I was like, I was basically like turning. I don't want to say turning the Titanic because the yeah. Titanic sank. So like, I'm just going to say I'm going to turn a yacht. I was just turning a yacht really, really slowly. And looking back, I'm super thankful. When I was in it, all I felt like was this is, this is moving too slow. Like this sucks, this is slow. But little did I realize that, that the rate at which we moved and pivoted was the best thing for the brand. Okay, so normally in business, speed is what everyone advocates for. And yes. if I get this correct, you're advocating for slowness. So help me reconcile those two things. Um, I also advocate for speed, but I only advocate for speed after you've spent a slow period of figuring out, is this the direction I want to go? And I've always been okay not knowing the end trajectory. It's okay to not know exactly where I want to end up. If I'm okay taking the first step slowly, the second step a little slowly, and then once I know that I have a little bit of traction, then it's like full steam ahead. That's where 100% you'll find me advocating. So let's revisit this slow turn, what did you turn from and then what did you turn to? So do you feel like, and use, use the words that you used out in the market, because I think that's, um, the folks at home are listening. They're like, wait, I'm, I'm that too. I think the language is actually really important. So if I can back up a tiny bit more, you drive it. Okay. You drive that yacht. It was really important 
specifically when it comes to social media, because there's this idea that people think, oh, you have to be a social media influencer or you're nothing. And I kind of feel like it's quite the opposite. It's finding out where the gap in the market is and then speaking your true voice and you will find a, a tribe of people who want to listen to you. So if you subscribe to that, the goal is to not worry about the numbers. So I made the decision knowing that I had so, somewhat built like a social media following. No, I do not identify at all being a social media influencer. I had a, I had a little small segment of, of people who followed me sure. for one thing. Yeah. It could be a thousand people, it could be a hundred thousand people. The, I, the idea is saying, I have a group of people who are following me for one thing and that's yep. photography. I had to make the decision far before I started pivoting to say, I am going to be okay losing a significant amount of people because my account is no longer serving them. The conversation with myself, because of course, nobody likes to lose followers. You feel like less relevant. You feel like, am I not doing enough? But I understood that people follow Instagram accounts and Facebook pages for specific reasons. If I change my trajectory, I cannot expect people to say, oh, I'm gonna follow you. Some do and some don't. And I feel like as people pivot, that's gonna be the main thing. And once you understand I'm not gonna be for everybody anymore in this particular market segment, then you could speak your truth. In my truth, which had always been very similar, which drove a lot of photographers crazy, was you gotta build a business, you gotta have a brand if you want to be a successful working photographer. Yep. A lot of times photographers, you know, like I, 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 I'm good enough, my work will sell itself. And yeah. the fact of the matter is no, it's mm. 80% yeah. business and 20% of the work we produce. Yeah. So it was still the terminology, but instead of making marketing specific content for photographers, I started kind of making marketing specific content for business owners. Because you run a business, you run a business, period. And what was happening, so let's just like actually break this down in a granular way. If I'm posting on Instagram, we'll just focus on Instagram for this conversation, but please know that I'm on YouTube and Twitter and Facebook the whole night. So on Instagram, if I'm posting every single day, I'm posting about six to seven times a week. And if at a time, every single one of those posts were related to photography, then what I started to do for a month was to lessen one post. So instead of seven posts being about photography or wedding photography, oh, just six of them were. And then I'd wait another two or three months. And then five posts would be about photography. And it took us about a year before I fully transitioned from posting specific photography to the thing I was trying to sell. Now, obviously I'm a photographer. I was a photographer before I had a camera. I believe, and I know it sounds super like Hallmark no, card love, or is, after Christmas school special, or after school time. Christmas special. Like I believed I was a photographer. I saw the world in photos. So even though I didn't have a camera, I could look at something and say, like, click in my mind because it was so beautiful. I don't want to forget. It, actually, on their way here, my husband and I were traveling to Seattle, and I was like, ah, oh, that's the perfect photo. And then I just moved on because I had taken the photo. It was mine. And I feel like whatever people, now people say, oh, she's not a photographer anymore. I shoot now, more now than I did when I was getting paid for clients. But people want to put me in a box and guess sure. what? I'm here to break boxes. That's right. At the end of the day, preaching over here. No, at the end of the day, it was a strategy to say, slowly take the audience where I want them to go, understanding not everyone's going to dance at my new prom. Yeah. You know? I think how methodical, like that you took a year to do that. Mm. That's, there's wisdom in there. Mm. So you also started speaking about it. Again, I, I want to really Please. anchor in on this because Please. I think this is a huge thing that, that I've personally struggled with. We can talk about that in a second, like as a photographer. And then, you know, oh, hey, pretty soon Creative Live is, you know, mm. much bigger. That was the goal of making it was that it was going to be bigger than any one person. Yes. And then it happened and I'm like, oh, man, how do I talk about it? What, what's yeah. my identity? You know, mm-hmm. I freaked out. And that's one of the reasons 
because I experienced it, I think a lot of other people experience it, and you, you're mastering it. So I just want to keep framing the conversation. Please. And, but when you felt like you, you it sounded so intentional, like mm. seven and then six and then five. Mm. Are you like literally writing this out on the calendar? Like, okay, this week I had five wedding posts and next week I have five and then the week after that I'm going to have four. And the week after that I'm going to have four and then I'm going to have three. Mm. Are you, is that how granularly you're thinking about it? Absolutely. And if we want to, I mean, it's just how my brain works. So I was strategically posting. I, I didn't know uh, when I was going to take my last wedding. So I needed to build a business functioning on, and most of the time as wedding photographers, you're booking about a year in advance. Mm -hmm. So I had to really thrust and throttle if I'm like, the minute you commit to a year, I decided I'm committing to the year. And when I wanted to pick up steam to book clients for the year, I started doubling down. I was kind of trickling down and then I thrusted again, posting more so that I would get attention and hashtags, book my clients for the year, peel it on back. I had booked my year. Now I'm going to start building a side, like my, my side hustle. Yeah. I had a I had a two-year side hustle under the radar, a little bit above the radar, and was it as strategic as it sounds? It has to be. Yeah, yeah. I think that is gold because I believe that most people, in, in the same way that when we look at someone's social feed, we're like, oh man, zero to hundred miles an hour, you know, ten-year overnight success is really how yeah. it happened, right? <laughs> yes. And and that anyone who has achieved that didn't do it accidentally. It was very very methodical. Some people have a method that they write down. Some people it's in their brain. Mm-hmm. But I think your mm-hmm. what you just described is just none of this. None of this stuff happens accidentally. No. So no. Let's talk about your intention setting just for a second. Yeah. So, mood board, write it on your forehead, tattoo it. Like, what's how do you set your intentions? Do you yeah. go on some pilgrimage in the desert? You, you I like mean, that would be so Instagrammable. Like, like, let's be real. Like, I would love to sit here and say, like, I went to India and practiced yoga in an ashram and I just found myself and, like, no, it's not that. I'm not afforded that luxury. I don't know how many people are. If they are, I applaud it. That's amazing. I do, at the end of every year, we try to take about a week and a half that week and a half between Christmas and New Year, try to kind of like check out, you know? It's the best. So, uh, and that's after like traditional Latino families, like we celebrate big. So you can't really have one time before Christmas. It's after Christmas. So kind of get away. This is an opportunity to lay out what we did the previous year and what I want to do the next year. And then I list the things that I want to do the next year and then I break them up into quarters. What can I do in a quarter? And then that becomes our main focus. And as the team grows for Social Curator, we can start adding more things to the plate. But right now, we're still on one big project a quarter. And we build up momentum for it. Again, it's slow down, speed up towards the launch of that project in the quarter. Slow down, build, speed up to launch that project in the quarter. And I think when it comes to intentionality, I focused specifically around 2016 that I've had opportunities to come on Creative Live to speak on very large stages and travel the world speaking about photography. And I was able to get little, you know, small payments to get paid. I got my travel paid and speaking in front of thousands of people. You know that, right? I do. Then I said, I don't want to be speaking on those stages because I'm only ever seen as one thing. Yeah. So how do I, even though I have street credibility, even though I've I've done the dang thing. Yeah, Yeah, you've done it. I'm nobody's giving me a stage to speak about business. So When we think about intentions, if I block out and say, one day I want to speak on stages, one day I want to go back to Creative Live and speak on a different channel, one day I want to be standing next to a stage of somebody that I look at in a different discipline and industry who's doing the dang thing so well. 
I had that intention and then you just work backwards. What do I need to do to get on that stage? Well, started speaking at women, planning social media groups in Orange County where I live. So you go from speaking to three, 4,000 people. I'm here at 25 people on a Thursday night at the library, <laughs> sharpening my teeth. Yep. Uh, in 2000, um, in the middle of 2017 to the middle of 2018, I decided to call what I'm going to go on is a podcast tour. I said yes to every podcast. I don't care if you had 10 downloads. I don't care if you have 10,000. Again and again and again and again and again. I was sharpening my teeth, I was finding my message, and I was teaching people how to talk about me in a new way. It wasn't just that she's an award-winning wedding photographer. It's like she knows her stuff and she knows how to empower small business owners to show up on social media every single day. And because of that, they did the work that I couldn't do by myself. Awesome. Was it strategically captured in a single document that became your small business Jasmine Transition Bible? No, is I it, wish. Is it, is it on a whiteboard in your... Yeah, your, it's on a whiteboard. It's on post-it notes. It's on the back of a napkin. It's on an airplane barf bag. It's, 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 we yeah, keep yeah, this yeah. in a small little book. If this is us, like, ripping out pages from Alaska Airlines, like, you know, next to the drink menu. Yep. Oh, here's a few goals for the quarter. Like, we're not fancy, but we save it, and it works. Not only does it work, it's clearly led to a lot of success. So let's talk a little bit more now about this current chapter. We've... We've traversed the landscape, uh, having personally um, been along for the ride mm -hmm. as your friend and, and um, co-conspirator in a lot of different <laughs> stuff. Uh, at some point, you realize that, I would say not dissimilar to me, like you, you put yourself on a treadmill and you're like, another client, you got yeah. another client, another client. Yeah. And that is awesome mm -hmm. because you don't ever want to not be grateful for having a thriving business where your clients are lined mm -hmm. up. But if you're going to make this transition, it's hard. So you talked about that transition. And at some point, you're like, wait a minute, I'm just talking to another single person because yes. I'm consulting on social yes. media strategy. I'm consulting on business and helping them, you know, small business owners. But at some point, you realize, wait a minute, this is just a different hamster mm -hmm. wheel. Mm -hmm. And so this is where... Uh, I think it gets overblown a little bit, the concept of scale. Silicon Valley is all about scale, 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 scale. Yeah. How many of you do one thing and sell it to a bazillion? Yeah. I get it. I get it. Okay, that's right. That's a great way to create leverage. There's also a way to overdo it, but I think you have nailed the ability to scale a business and do it in a honest, authentic, still very, very, very powerful way. What was the click and what was the change for you? You forgot one adjective. It's awesome. <laughs> Thank you, but slow. Yeah. Slow. We're, we're, I would still say we're doing it in a slow way. Everything in me, every morning I wake up and I'm like, why aren't we moving fast enough? But it's what we know. And I feel us gaining this momentum. It's like people look and like, wow, look what you've done. Like, look what you've done in less than two years. And I'm like, oh, wait, do you see what we do in two years? Yeah. So I feel it building up. So, um, I believe what you're referring to is this kind of like tenuous balance between one-on-one -on -one to quote-unquote scale. Yep. And I don't mean Silicon Valley scale. I mean yep. scale for a small business owner like myself. Like how do I reach more people doing the same amount of work? Yep. And we started testing the waters. I had an interview with USA Today in 2016, and that kind of opened the floodgates when it, got, when it comes to positioning me as an authority in the Instagram realm. Okay. And so as a result of that, I got a flood of questions. I got a flood of emails, and I couldn't respond to it all. So then I had created an Instagram for a business course. It was really small. It was okay. light lifting. And we decided to put that out. That was my first testing the waters of something at scale. Okay. But 
I don't know if it, it was wildly su- successful. It remains wildly successful. It was my first kind of pivot, pivot in the online space, which was great. Online it, learning. Online, online learning, learning yeah. kind of figuring it out on my own. Yeah. And it was wonderful and it was great. But I don't think that it was servicing people in a way that was different than what people could be getting by a good, honest to God, couple hour Google search, yeah. right? So I was saving people time by doing the work for them and synthesizing the information they go and do, but then it resulted, what I realized it resulted in was people having three main questions. I don't know what to say. Even if I know what to do, I don't know what to say. I don't have anything to post and I don't know if I'm doing it right. And so then all of a sudden it opened up this big gap for Jasmine, can you take me as a consulting client? And the answer was like, I wish, but I am but one person. Mm-hmm. And we decided we were walking the dog. And my husband says, you know, I really think what you need to do is you just need to find a way to tell people like what to say, what to post, and if they're doing it wrong. What if we were to create like this like site where people can get the stuff that they need? And you know, every month we renew it. I was like, that's a dumb idea. <laughs> That sounds like a nightmare. Every month I have to come up and I have to shoot a bunch of photos. And like, how am I going to do that? That's dumb. That was legitimately, oh, ye of little brilliance. A <laughs> couple weeks later, walking the dog. And I was like, you know what I think we should do? We should have this thing that answers these people's questions. And my husband's like, yo, Sherlock. <laughs> just, we talked about this last week. Um, but that's a sign of a good business partner who just yeah. kind of nods and is like, mm, yeah, I've been yeah, there. Good idea. Yeah, though. great idea. <laughs> I haven't heard that before. Uh, so after a lot of trial and error, we beta tested this idea. So business owners are like, I don't have, I don't know what to say. I don't want to talk about my business without being like smarmy, like QVC. Like I'm just buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. And then people are like, I'm not a photographer. I don't have good stuff. And like, am I really doing the work on Instagram that I should be doing? So we decide to beta test social curator and we have this idea oh, well, you get lifestyle stock photos to empower you to show up and talk about your business and you get caption templates and you get this, this action plan is what we called it. And we launched it and it was met with wild success. It was like blew our socks off. And then the next month, our membership cut in half. <laughs> Welcome to subscriber churn. Welcome to subscriber churn. Yep. And that's all I was like, oh, 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 yeah, like, we need to fix this. And it was really beautiful because just like you had said, you go slow, you go fast. You go slow, you go fast. So we went really slow in building it out. And then we hit the ground running. We're like, we're off the races, here we go. And then we had to recalibrate, not once, not twice, but three times, big wow. times in the wow. first year. And every time we slowed down to like ramp back up again, we learned another lesson and we learned another lesson. And we had to keep on adding things to the membership. I kind of feel, and we've, we have had conversations Social Curator, as of today, is not even two years old. So over the past two years, you and I have had the opportunity, and I'm coming to you, I'm like, I have to grow a team. Oh, my God, I have to get help. I can't do it all on my own. Talk to me about attrition. Like, yeah. all this stuff that's happening. And what people see on the outside is, like, when I'm fast, I'm really fast, and I'm making a lot of noise. And when I'm slow, shut the heck up, put your head down, and do the work. And so I think when we hit the tier mark, I just want to take a second. It'll be after we do a live class here at Creative Live. Which is coming up. Which is coming yeah, up. So yeah, so cool. So our so two-year cool. is in mid-July. And in mid-July, I just want to take a second and appreciate how far we've come and then really calibrate where do we want to go. All right, so let's talk a little bit more in-depth about what I think you just, you, you, you talked a lot about the transition. I want to try and put it in my words. Please. And then you correct me. Okay. Because I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play what the audience is hearing. 
So you mean this is a site where I pay some <laughs> monthly fee, which mm -hmm. is thirty-seven dollars. Thirty-seven dollars a month, and for thirty-seven bucks, I get a bunch of pictures that are beautifully shot, mm -hmm. and I get a bunch of a bunch of captions mm -hmm. where I can insert my own information mm -hmm. to customize and personalize, mm -hmm. and then you tell me mm -hmm. some strategic aspect of posting on Instagram and our social media. Absolutely. So when we talk back, remember we talked about the boomerang effect. Yep. So you live by the sword and you die by the sword. Yep. It is my job to see things as the visionary for social curator. Yep. I need to see the trends. What I know that there's other copycat companies coming into the marketplace sure. and I have to put my blinders on because I have a thing that is really rare. I could see into the future. Mm -hmm. That is what a visionary is. Sure. And I'm a spat a pattern spatter. <laughs> I'm very smart, oh, so I yeah, know how to spoke. <laughs> I am a pattern spotter. Yep. And this happens again and again in social. So if I know the boomerang effect is coming, then it is my objective to coach myself as a photographer and my photographers beneath me on my team to say, we need to have imagery that looks and feels like real life. So we are creating lifestyle stock images for, for, for business owners to show up on social media. And to be so, clear, this is not like a picture of you that they would post it. No, a photograph no, no, no. Jasmine. It's like, so, here's my keys and and travel map and whatnot Absolutely. for the road trip for the weekend. Absolutely, yeah. like we'll we'll take pictures of champagne. We'll take a picture of somebody holding like a newspaper and then we have teach people how to interpret text, like a big announcement, news coming. Yeah. We have coffee, like so people, like multiple people enjoying a cup of coffee. So yeah. lifestyle photos that yeah. could look like, hey, I just snapped this with my iPhone. Yeah. So that's gonna be the objective. And then we teach people with specific caption templates. So I follow uh, what I call Hick. It's gonna be Hook. What's I? Okay. Insights. Okay. And call to action. Got it. So hook is you got to stop somebody on Instagram. Yeah. So that first sentence on Instagram is so wildly important because that's what's going to encourage them to read the to click on the click more. Yep. And then they read two to three insights about you, about your business. You're not selling. You're just creating conversations, which drives engagement. And then C is the call to action. Do you want them liking, leaving a comment, tagging a friend, signing up for the newsletter, visiting your website. So we're having a very strategic approach every time we come on social media. And so that's what we teach people in Social Curator to give them um, an incentive, inspiration. And some people are newbies, which is great. Fill in the blanks, put your own words, talk about your business or run. And then we have like a five-step a five step program for our curators to go through. When you're top five, you're looking at this, you're reading it, got it, yep. write my own thing. We're saving people time. And that is the most valuable currency on social media. No question. That's why Uber's successful. Absolutely. Right? It's like time, Absolutely. time is the true Absolutely. unrenewable resource that if Absolutely. you save people that. Absolutely. And so I want to go two different directions now. I want to talk about the business, how it's doing, where it's going. Yes. Because I think it's really cool. And then I want to talk, well, I'll just let's just, I'll save part two. Let's, okay. let's go there. So okay. talk to me a little bit more about the business because uh, this is a new world for you, right? You Absolutely. went from being a photographer to being a consultant one-on-one, -on -one, and now you're kind of, you, like you said, you're directing a team. You're creating a lot of content. You have yes. a platform. Yes. There's a technology aspect yes. to it. Yes. We created. We decided to create our own platform because what we were doing um, didn't exist yeah. in a, a template form. So we put together our own. <laughs> I do not so recommend cool. anybody to do this. <laughs> It is a freaking nightmare. Totally. And I had 100% uh, on the reel. When you create something that doesn't exist, when you don't know anything about tech, you hit a lot of, you lit, you hit a lot of bumps. Mm -hmm. And because Social Curator feels like a strong, distinct division of who I am, I want to give white glove service to our members. And when it's not white glove service, it pains me. Yeah. And in January, I had to go in and 
we are having deliverability issues because what happens is when you renew a new year, unbeknownst to me, we have a tagging system in the background. There was a glitch in the tagging system. Half our members didn't get it. They got really upset. As they should. Yeah. They invested. They're supposed to get their content on the first. If you do not get your content on the first, I didn't do my job. Yeah. A lot of people are really upset. And I, if I feel like I let people down, I want to hide. I want to beat myself up. I want to hate myself for not knowing what I'm getting into. And so it was rainy Saturday morning. I'm sitting here crying because our support team is so overwhelmed. And I get it. I'm like, you need to pull your crap together. <laughs> you, need to, you need to come out and you need to say what happened. And you need to say, I thought I was creating a social media resource company. And you know what I'm creating? A tech company. So I'm asking for grace because yeah. I'm trying to figure out this crap. Yeah. If you are so upset for investing in this membership and not getting it delivered on the first, you know where the door is. Yeah. I'm coming out very out telling you straight out, I don't know tech. I'm hiring a team to help me do this. But for the next few months, it's going to be a wild ride. The outpouring of people just saying, you saw it, you see me, yep. you're working on it, good. Not only did we keep our members that month who were yeah. really pissed off, yeah. they ended up telling their friends or posting about it on social media, and we saw growth within the company. And now as we build an API, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I say this stuff, and like, I sound really smart. So <laughs> what you're telling me is, and what I want to do is I want to abdicate that responsibility. Every day I wake up and I wish for a magical, you know, wicked witch of the West to come in and give me a pair of red shoes and empower me to know what the heck I'm doing in tech. And it doesn't happen. Yep. Everything that I need to know, I need to figure it out. No one is coming. No one is coming. Yep. You, want, you, want to, you want salvation? Do it yourself. This is the only thing. We got taken advantage of a couple of times. We had people who were programmers and they picked up and left us. And so there I am being like, oh, I just paid for a system to be built. And guess what? You're walking away from me yep. the day before delivery. What are you going to do? You scream. You say a few choice words. <laughs> you turn to your team and you say, we got to fix this now. Yep. And it's like, it has literally been our feet to the fire and we're getting calloused and we're learning how to run in it. And it's been a freaking amazing, freaking wild ride. Is that the exception or is that the rule? That's the freaking rule. Yep. It's the freaking rule. Like I realized that part of the reason I wanted to pivot away from an industry was because it got easy. And when it gets easy, it feels like a job. I have not been called to have a job. If I'm not showing up for my clients feeling like I am the most freaking, most special, blessed, out of this world, I'm so indebted to be able to pursue this passion for you on this day. If I stopped having that, fire me. You better be working with somebody who feels so freaking lucky to do what they do for you. I feel so freaking lucky to serve these, at this moment, 6,000 people in our membership. Oh, you hit your, we, we yes. had a, nice. we were talking about yes. a goal last time we were together. Yes. It's like, I gotta go, I'm gonna hit 6,000. Yes. Nice. Yes, and it's slow. Yeah. And it's slow. Do I wanna be at 10,000 my first year? Of course. Can we run enough? Can, let me tell you something. I'm a nerd. I will get into the numbers. I will get in. I know that we can run ads and have um, cost of customer acquisition be lower than the cost of it is for that month. But I can't grow that fast because I don't have the foundation to keep it. So what do we do? We grow slow. We grow slow until we get our trash together, until we build our API, because we get our app, till we give white glove customer service to every single person who gets it. The minute that happens, we're off. Watch us. All right, so that's just socialcurator.com. Sign up for the service. Yeah. It is truly a stunning service. As someone who's 
checked it out and Thank watched you. you along this ride, and it's so helpful. Thank you. The, and the materials that you publish along with this, not just the content, the strategy pieces, yeah. your, like, the monthly guides, you call them guides? Yeah, action plans. Action plans. Yeah. They are beautiful Thank and you. so, so, so helpful. So if Thank you're a small you. business owner and you're overwhelmed by your own social, keep making stuff on your own, but yeah. what an amazing way to supplement and to learn. And that's just like the, I mean, it's such an affordable price to, to uh, you, be able to do that. Thank you. So that was the thing that I, I, I want to put a bow on the business part for a second. I okay. want to shift personal because I think you've done a really nice job just in the last, you, you know, 45 minutes you're talking about let's, we got to keep it real. Yeah. And we started off with how scared and hard it was, um, coming on Creative Live in front of 150,000 people yes. and just letting it all hang out, but also how valuable that side is. Yes. Right? So I want to talk a little bit more personal because you're still very, you're, you're, you show up in such an authentic way. Do you feel like people who are following you on social and that you're, you're ace in the hole, your secret weapon is just that you just keep showing up? And I feel like I know, I know your dog. I know Polo. Mm -hmm. I know JD, your husband, who's sitting over there. I, I know what the inside of your house looks like. I know. Mm -hmm. Is it really just turning your life inside out? And talk to me about that kind of stuff. Um, what you will hear me say again and again, which is something I've been saying from the beginning without knowing I was saying it, it's consistency. Consistency is the thing. Consistency is the game. And it sounds so easy, but very few people actually deploy against it. So the reason why I win is I just remain undaunted. That's it. I am not special. I don't have a cool life. I'm not particularly smart or funny or witty or cute or brilliant. I am not those things, but consistent. And it's the little tiny drop in a bucket every single day that eventually turns people who are lurkers into engagers. And I don't share too much of my life. Yeah. I don't. I share enough of my life. I call it the man on the airplane role. What you know about my life is the same thing I would tell a man sitting next to me on an airplane. I tell my dog's name, my husband's name, what I do for a living. People know 0.05% of my life. And when people have an opinion about that 0.05% of my life, it empowers me to shake it off, walk away, and understand that what I am putting out means absolutely and has no bearing on what the true part of me is. So do I feel like you have to bear it all? No, I have never been an advocate. Yeah. I'm an advocate for showing up every single day, speaking your truth and being comfortable with what you share. And what I'm comfortable sharing is really different than what other people are comfortable sharing. So you determine what you're comfortable with and then you move from there. That's just as clear a line as you could ever put it right there. That's amazing. Um, so that being said, can we go a little bit beyond your dog's name and your husband's Yes. Name? Well, you're not a man on an airplane. So, yeah. Yeah. Ten-year homies. Okay. And um, you taught me how to make tortillas. We and did. And, we did. But it's what I, I think is funny about this. So, I, I, I love Mexican food. If I could choose one cuisine to have every day for the rest of my life, I had to choose it, it would be Mexican. Oh, me too. And so... Um, these guys were over at our place, and they, we were grilling up some carne asada, and you break out, like, you like to make homemade, homemade tortillas. And to me, it sounds like we're going to need to land a, rock, a rocket on the moon here. Yeah. And you all whip out two ingredients. Yeah. Put them together, and then in like five minutes, we're having 
homemade, homemade tortillas. tortillas. Yeah. So, um, a thank you for that because I still I replay that like <laughs> as I often see you on as Instagram possible. Making tortillas, I was How like, many dude, times? Like I feel like I want to have like a tortilla cook-off now. <laughs> I was like, if this gringo beats us on freaking tortillas, I'm gonna have a little bit of an issue. That's what I'm saying. Um. What are you passionate about outside of the business stuff we've been talking about? I see, uh, like, cooking, food, travel. Talk to me a little bit about the jasmine that you might have a hint about, but that you don't actually know all that much about on social. You know, it's funny because if I think about the tortilla, I think it means more than that. I think it means letting people into a cultural component, um, like a real deep, like, simplicity. So I've been pretty open. Uh, grew up really poor. Government assisted, government assistance. We got food uh, on our porch and church donations made in our behalf. So I know what simplicity looks like. And I think that's why I have a detachment to what people perceive as success or wealth. And I know what wealth is. And it's not the money in my bank account. And it's not social media followers. And it's not the car that I drive. I literally have no attachment to that stuff. And when we share uh, how to make a tortilla, with a friend. And not only, like, we have to, like, okay, so that was that was the Chase Jarvis guy version. Let's go back to the reality television Jasmine version. So and there this we is, are. This, this, we got to maintain this persona, these dual personas. Yeah, dual, yeah We're exactly. We're like Waldorf exactly. and Statler on the Muppets. I, <laughs> well, I feel like I'm going to turn this into a telenovela. Okay. Pero Chase, <laughs> Pero, me, okay, I have to make this super dramatic. So um, we pack what we call masa, right? Okay. It's like, a, it's, it's what you make a, like, we, yes, yes. So we pack masa and we go to we go and we're hanging out and we realize we don't have a, a tortilla press and what we do is we go back to who we truly are. We're there making the balls, rolling them up, mm-hmm. and we get a saucer and we turn it upside down. My husband places a piece of of uh, plastic paper, like a gross, like you know what you put the fruit and vegetables in. Yep. He cuts it in half and he places the plastic down and he gets the rolled piece of masa moist from our hands and warm, places another piece of plastic and then we get another saucer and we use the saucer on the bottom and we use the saucer on top and we press it down to be a circular piece and then we're there and you're sitting watching us like we're making magic. Yeah. And I'm thinking if he only knew that this is how our family survived. And to share that piece is like cultural, it's familial, it's raw, open, you're not eating a tortilla, you're having a piece of our history. And I know that sounds very dramatic, but what I'm passionate, food. Because we had so little of it growing up, but what we had was amazing. Let me tell you, the United States government issues fantastic dry pinto beans, okay? (laughs) My dad can make magic with the government-issued pinto beans. So homemade tortilla and beans with a little bit of cotija cheese. You're just living your best life. Uh, For real. And that costs like like maybe nine cents. Yeah. So I'm passionate about food. I'm passionate about breaking bread with friends. I'm passionate about what simplicity means. I'm passionate about having the freaking option to eat a 19 cent taco and have the option to eat a $19 taco in Seattle. That is life. So family, friends, food, travel, and freedom. So this, I've enjoyed seeing you guys travel a lot more. I don't know if that's part yeah. of the social curator world yes. or, or um, talk to me about having a sort of, uh, do you talk about your two, yours and your husband, JD's families as, I mean, you're both Latinx. Yes. But 
he's got more Mexican heritage. You've got more. Look at this. I know. Chase is representing. I don't know if the camera's out of yeah. close in shot yeah. because Borinqua over here is looking at your shirt being like, oh my God, oh my God, wet bomb. For those who are okay. listening, I'm wearing a shirt with the Puerto Rican flag on yes, it. Yes, represent, represent. Um, so is it like multicultural coming together? It is multicultural coming, coming together. So my mom is Puerto Rican and my dad is Mexican. So my dad immigrated to the United States when he was around 12 years old. And my mom was born in Puerto Rico and then came to mainland when she was about four. And then they met in East Los Angeles, California, which is where our families started. JD, my husband, his father is Mexican from Mexico and his mom is Chinese. So a little like Mexican and then we haven't found Mexican sounds much cuter than like. China Rican or Mexi-ese, 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 I don't know. We're trying to blend it. But yeah, definitely multi, definitely multicultural. But his mom is Chinese, but uh, was raised in Mexico. So her Chinese Mexican cooking, like she basically invented fusion before fusion was like a cool thing in California. Uh, she tears up the kitchen. It's amazing. And my father is a fantastic cook. So yeah. That's where it, it, That's where it comes. Yeah. Got it. Um, Speaking of family, yes, we're going to keep going on that. Um, is it fair? I guess I asked you before, in you full did. disclosure, if I could share that y'all are on the adoption. We are train. We are incredible. Thank What's you. What's that been like? It's been long. Yeah. It's been really long. I think that you like life and like business. You make plans, and they go slow. And they go slow. <laughs> and then they isn't it easy to talk about that? Like, oh, we're so smart and slow, and you're like. But we would really like to yeah. adopt the child tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely tired of being on like the snail express. Yeah. We would much rather be like on the Tesla rocket ship, but mm. we're not there. So we've gone through different iterations. You know, we, we started off with an agency, then we debated about uh, international, and then we felt like we went through the foster to adopt process. And then once we got into it, it was pretty heartbreaking because I don't think we realized towards the end that what we needed and what we wanted wasn't able to be facilitated, but we met amazing foster, foster family care charitable organizations that we've become really connected with. And I feel like everything in life happens for a reason, is that even though that process didn't work out for us, we met these amazing people who were dedicated to helping support children in the foster care system. And uh, a month and a half ago, we signed with a brand new adoption lawyer who was recommended by a friend. And uh, this adventure is for us, again, it feels like we're starting all over. And again, this is gold-plated grit. Yeah. I should just like bring it all down. No, I love this. We, this is a recurring theme, and you're doing a great yeah, job. Yeah, because I'm telling. I feel like I'm giving like really like it's so great. Like it's so awesome. So yeah. this is what we're done. But when we ended the foster to adopt process, I just beat myself up. I felt like I had failed. I felt really embarrassed because we kept it pretty private. Yeah. Because once you put something out on social media, it doesn't belong to you anymore. For sure. And we had been really quiet about our journey, the ups and downs. And then on Thanksgiving, I said I was thankful for my family, my husband. I was thankful for us to start a family. We had this amazing, beautiful outpouring of support. And we talked about our foster to adopt process. And when we ended it, I felt really embarrassed. I didn't know how to come out on social and say, hey, guys, there's kids who are really struggling in the foster care system. And I'm not participating in it anymore. I felt like embarrassed. I felt like I couldn't share the story anymore. And my husband reminds me that that is the story, is speaking your truth. Because there are people online who feel the same way, that they feel like they can't talk about things, or they feel embarrassed, they feel like failure, they feel like they made a decision, or maybe they said something that they shouldn't have. And he says, as long as you speak your truth, you maintain your power. 
Your power is the version of your story. When somebody else calls you out on something that you've tried to keep hidden, you lose your power. And this is me standing in my power, saying it's really hard. And we don't know what's happening. And we just have to keep on taking one step forward and one step forward. But what I do know is every morning I wake up and I think to myself, uh, our child could be in the world right now. Um, it, it, I, we want a daughter, so I'm just going to keep on saying she. Yeah. Uh, she could be in somebody's belly. She could be a thought. But I wake up for her and I pray every morning. Like, this girl is going to change the world. I'm going to keep on saying it. I think that we're going to, I think I, every morning I wake up, I'm like, I'm going to raise, you know, the a next superhero. female, yeah, the next female president. Yeah. Like, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna raise a, a game changer, a world changer. Like, what do you want, doll? The world is your oyster. I go before you to break every glass ceiling so that you never have to realize that those exist. Man, that is a vision for a daughter right I there. know, talk about pressure. I'm also already setting <laughs> up for her therapy fund, okay? Uh, college fund, therapy fund, yeah, we got those. We got those, I'm investing in them already. You've also been uh, very open in this conversation and others uh, about your mother having brain cancer. Yes. Um, as someone, both my parents have gone through cancer bouts. Um, I was hoping you could characterize that for me. I know it's had a, had a really huge role in yeah. your life. And um, maybe you could replay some of that. I think, so what happens, there are certain instances in your life that change your complete trajectory and the way that you see the world. Mm-hmm. And I think being the eldest of five children and being a first generation and being like, I'm just programmed to be really responsible. And a lot of the responsibility for familial care really fell on my shoulders. I have a twin sister. We shared responsibilities, but I think she would also agree that I took on a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you are helping somebody who's been sick for eight and a half years, it really calibrates you to what matters. And health is the only thing that matters. And health is the only thing that you almost are at the mercy to of fate. And what what her journey taught me Uh, was that I have to make decisions for my health that will empower me to run at the highest capacity and serve others at the highest capacity and also measure every decision against time. Every decision against time. I am just not one to vacillate. I am not one to sit in a corner and wonder what if. I am one to jump in. And I wasn't like this until I was 25 years old when I literally got married and I saw this. And then the minute I just said, screw the safe path, Screw the law school, the, the predictability, the, um, um, the highest office in downtown LA and the pointy shoes and the expensive cars. Screw all of that. I'm going to jump in because I don't know how much time I have left in my life. And her journey with cancer, yes, made me stronger. Yes, want me to make smarter decisions about my health. But what it taught me the most was time. Like you have one wild and crazy life. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to sit in the corner at your predictable job in your cubicle, seeing all these other people doing those things and think that that's not the world for you? Dear God, get off that and say, what do I want? What do I need to do? Make it happen. Can I sleep an hour less? Can I wake up an hour more? Can I uh, earlier? Can I not watch Game of Thrones? Can I not play in the basketball league? Can I watch YouTube for an hour every night to learn the thing that I need to learn? The world is yours for the taking. 